Welcome to Perspectives. This is a podcast we started here at Orchard Hill just as a way to address uh, some current issues. And today I'm joined by Joel Haldeman and Josiah Lewenberger. Welcome, guys. Well, hello. (laughs) And this is a time where we just uh, try to get together and talk about some of the current issues that are happening. And today we're going to talk about something that isn't really in the news but is uh, potentially an idol, and by an idol, I mean something that we take as a good thing and kind of raise up to being more important than maybe it should be. And the idol we're going to talk about is achievement. So let me just start with a simple kind of maybe fun question. Hmm. Um, When have you felt like you achieved the most in a short amount of time recently? Like, Like, when do you look back and go, oh, I really got a ton done in that area of my life in a short amount of time? Ooh. Oh man, Kurt, I was thinking about this just yesterday. Hmm. I was doing an interval workout on my bike and I have a power meter on my bike that tells me what kind of wattage I'm putting out. And I've recently been turning up my training, doing more hours per week, looking to get into some racing next year. And I was doing a workout yesterday and I was just psyched because my power numbers are trending <laughs> up. And I was like, yes, my training is paying off. And that gives me such a sense of satisfaction to hmm. see that sort of improvement and to get to a standard where I'm satisfied with where it's going is uh, just a big source of So you saw yourself and said, for me. I've achieved That's and awesome. I've grown <laughs> even in a short amount of yeah. increased training. Yeah, I was really excited about it, That's but it makes fun. me hungry for more because I'm not where I want to be yet. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Joel. So um, I feel like most of what I've been doing has been sort of a slow build kind of thing, but what I'm feeling... when I think of our family as a whole, my wife uh, has a business that she's been running for almost 10 years now. And uh, in this like spring was just a season of like uh, crazy growth for her. And, uh, and that's been, yeah, when I look back at this past year, I say like, wow, that has changed more dramatically than any other season that's been, I mean, she hired somebody full time and came to a season where, uh, where both her and this other person were just totally slammed with work. Uh, changed all of their processes and how they do things, streamlined so many things. Um, it's been really cool. <laughs> mm, that's cool. We uh, started at Orchard Hill for our staff a few years ago um, uh, with an app that helps us to track our hours, um, which is kind of a interesting thing. I, I don't know that I like it still <laughs> after all this time, but what I find it often does for me is it is I find myself trying to compete with myself to be more efficient in mm. how I use my time. And, um, and so like, I'll divide up, you know, how many messages do I need to prepare and how long did it take me? And am I being as efficient and productive as I can be with all of my time Mm -hmm. in order to, to reduce the number of hours spent on, you know, said task or Mm -hmm. something. And and I was just thinking about that the other day and thinking, wow, I really, you know, crushed this last month. (laughs) And, uh, and then I was like, 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 wait a second, I'm, I'm liking that a little too much, uh, all things considered. So, so kind kind of an interesting, um, Mm. interesting question. So here's, here, here's what, where I'd like to like to start. If, if achievement can be an idol, and I, I don't think probably, you know, whether you're a person of faith or not a person of faith, you probably wouldn't disagree that all yeah. of us can make too much out of saying, hey, I'm achieving. And, and in a way, achievement can be a proxy for a host of other idols, meaning we can use achievement for a claim, use achievement for success, use mm-hmm. achievement for affluence, use achievement for, um, you know, all kinds of yeah, things. Yeah, significance. Absolutely. 
Um, so, so obviously achievement is a good thing. Um, and where does it flip from being a good thing to being a dangerous thing? In thinking about this conversation, a passage of scripture came to my mind and it was Jesus parable of the talents. And it's this story of how God gives people ability and opportunity to steward his resources. And so this story is of a landowner who goes away and leaves some possessions for those to take care of who he's left behind. And when he comes back, he holds them accountable for what they made of those resources. And really what the parable is conveying is that there's a sense in which God gives each of us abilities and opportunities to use for his glory, to honor him, and also to just enjoy that process of stewarding God's resources. Mm. I think this applies to each and every one of us with the gifts and opportunities, the abilities that God gives us. And where we mix things up is we steward God's resources for our own acclaim rather than stewarding God's resources to honor him and enjoy what is his and point, you know, the glory toward him. Mm -hmm. And so really where we make an error in idolizing achievement is making about ourselves rather than making it about God. Yeah. And uh, certainly that is a temptation because it's easy to view our lives as I do this, here's the outcome. Mm -hmm. So, oh, I, I accomplished this on my own. When in reality, the ability, the opportunity is from God, at, you know, in and of itself. So who am I ultimately living to, um, to honor with my, with mm -hmm. my action? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would say this is an issue that I definitely struggle with. And I, um, uh, uh, you know, we I think in the past we've talked about the Enneagram. I I'm a uh, I think I'm a number three on the Enneagram, which is called an achiever. Um, the first time I read through the book, I was like making notes at the top of each chapter, and I try to think of who is. I came to number three, and I was like, "Oh, that's Kurt. <laughs> are you a three? Uh, I I haven't really spent any time okay. with the Enneagram. Joel, so. me and you are aligning in so many ways. You're is Swiss. That right? I'm Swiss. My oh, family background. Are you a three? I'm an Enneagram three. You are. <laughs> Our names begin with this J. This is perfect. <laughs> People confuse us all the time, right? Uh, so this is a good conversation. Um, so I, uh, a few years ago, we were uh, flipping a rental property, and I was just busting my butt in the evenings there working. And I was talking to someone on the phone while I was, like, touching up some paint, a pastor that we used to work with here uh, a while back. And he, and he said to me, uh, Joel, when is enough going to be enough? And I had, and ever since he said that, like, that's kind of like, I don't want to say haunted. It's, uh, it's bothered me. <laughs> when is enough ever going to be enough? Um, and I guess what I've come to realize through embracing my threeness is that when you're a three enough is never enough. Like that's, that's a, a question that doesn't, doesn't even make sense because there's always more there, You always want to build more. You always want to build better. Um, and so whenever you're thinking about, you know, running or building a church or, or building something like you're always thinking like, okay, what's the next thing? How can I make this better? So I think that the, the question that needs to be asked is, you know, in that process of enough, never being enough, can you still be satisfied in Christ? Can you find contentment regardless of, of how the project looks? Does that make sense? Yeah. I think that there is a difference between contentment and complacency. Yeah. And so Contentment is being able to find joy and, and rest in God, ultimately, yeah. even in the midst of things that are left undone. 
I think complacency is saying, you know, I'm just content with the status quo. I could be better, but I'm really not going to worry about that. And that right. I have a hard time with that concept. Yeah. I don't know if you guys uh, have seen this, but I think something that is very common in our culture is if you show that you really care about something, people can could pick you apart if you fail to meet the expectations that you put yourself out there. Mm. And so I think there's almost a, a cultural value for like, hey, don't show anybody that you really care too much. Mm. Oh, you know, if you accomplish this or that, that's great, but you know, no big deal. And so to really seek achievement is counterculture in some ways because you're setting yourself up for embarrassment if you, if you fail. Yeah. But for me, I think that just as much as I have a fear of failing, I have a fear of regretting not going for something that is really important to me. Yeah. And I don't want to look back with regret that FOMO. I left anything on the table and didn't make the most of an opportunity or an ability or a passion that I had. And sometimes it's embarrassing when I fail. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it's inevitable that we do. What is, uh, what is something that I don't love, but I know it is true is oftentimes God grows me the most and I become better in things when I fail because that's when I learn the most important lessons. Yeah. Yeah. It, what's part of what makes this tricky is achievement, ambition are good things. Right. And, and so you don't want to, um, in a sense, throw the baby out with the bathwater kind of a thing saying, oh, this is, yeah, I shouldn't be driven to achieve. The, the question is, when does, when does it become dangerous? And I think for me, where it becomes dangerous is when I start to ascribe worth to myself based on how much I'm achieving mm. versus saying my worth is completely separate from what I achieve or don't achieve. I'm, I'm valuable to God simply because of Jesus Christ and what he's done on my behalf. It has nothing to do with, with what I get done this week or next week or don't get done. And, and my tendency can be to just internally to say, okay, if I, if I chopped a bunch of stuff off a list and really had a productive week, then I had a good week and I'm valuable. Mm. And if I don't have a productive week, you know, if things didn't go well, if I said, hey, I'm tired today, I'm going to stop working. Mm -hmm. um, like we're doing a little mini renovation in our house, just painting project and rearranging some things. Not nothing big, but like, you know, I'll work a day here and then go home and say, okay, I, you know, what can I get done? But if I run out of gas someday and I'm like, oh, I'm not going to keep working. Mm -hmm. um, like, like there's something in me that feels like, oh man, I'm not, I, I'm not getting it done. Yeah. And, and so to me, that's the danger zone when, when that starts to become this internal measure of have I achieved enough to, mm -hmm. to say I can go to bed tonight mm -hmm. or have I not rather than then, you know, I'm going to work hard. And, and again, I'm not suggesting that you don't work hard all day and go home and do a renovation project or run hard or, you know, flip a house. It, it, and, and so that, that's part of, I think, the challenge of yeah. this. So, so I guess that leads to a follow-up question. Um, how do you discern when you are approaching the danger zone? I think we each identified a slightly mm. different danger zone for us. Um, but how do you discern when you're actually starting to to step toward that danger zone rather than, or you're maybe going the other way and saying, I'm, I'm so into self-care yeah. that I'm not, uh, achieving what I could. Yeah. I, I would say that it, it helps for us to, to redefine like what is true achievement. And 
in a different podcast that we recorded, I talked about how I have this book that goes back 14 generations in my family. And, you know, the first Haldeman that came to America was like a founding member of this church. And, um, I, and so, okay, so set that aside. What, I, what my wife and I are trying to do is, is build somewhat of a real estate company and real estate grows sort of exponentially over time. So that today, it's not worth very much in 45 years. It's going to be worth a lot more. If our kids carry it on, it can be worth a whole lot more, right? And so we want to be able to pass that on. Um, and so this is where we're sort of like working day-to-day stuff, you know, painting trim, <laughs> really miserable stuff in order to try to build that. But every now and then I have to stop back and remind myself that, um, number one, generational wealth disappears really stinking fast, <laughs> really disappointingly fast. Um, but number two, like for me to be able to identify 14 generations back where, and that was just when they came to America, that somebody was a believer, uh, founding members of a church, um, and, and for that to be able to pass on, to be passed on, man, I, in another 14 generations, like that's what I want to be said about me. I just want to be another name in a genealogy of someone who passed on the faith from one generation to the next generation, regardless of how much wealth is built or what's passed on to kids. Um, and that's a thing that I need to keep reminding myself of because that's not going to happen through me putting in an extra, you know, X number of hours painting trim. That's going to happen by spending adequate time with my family, uh, teaching them the gospel and living the gospel. Mm. I think for me, my litmus test for when I'm in a healthy place in seeking achievement versus an unhealthy place is when I'm not at my best. I, I have something to prove about myself. I'm thinking I've got to prove, yeah. you know. I can catch myself thinking when I'm going up to speak, I've got to show people that they don't need to be disappointed when Kurt's not up. You know, I don't want people to think, oh, I'm just going to walk back out because Josiah's on this weekend. I want to prove those people wrong, that I can, you know, have a good message to share as well. It's brutal if, speaking when you're a three, yeah. right? You care about people's opinion. Yeah. Or if I'm <laughs> if I'm thinking about athletics, I if I'm thinking I've got to prove, you know, this person that I can actually make it at that level that they doubted me, mm. then uh, I can actually get some yardage out of that when it comes to training. To a mm. certain extent, that can be productive. But when I let those voices dominate my thinking, I can head down a really dangerous road because I'm defining myself based on what I produce, what I achieve. Yeah. And so what I've found is that it in all pursuits, I seem to do much better when I'm, when I'm performing from a place of satisfaction and contentment in Christ, mm. knowing that the most important things about me have already been accomplished. And so I'm doing to give, I'm doing whatever I'm doing to give God the glory rather than to make a name for myself or to show that I am enough That's right. in some way. And uh, interestingly enough, when I'm performing in whatever I'm doing from a place of contentment in Christ, things often go a lot better Yeah. because when it's about me, I tend to squeeze too hard <laughs> and wow. I just smother myself. Yeah. But then when I relax and I'm like, you know what? I don't have to prove myself. I already have value in Christ. I'm significant in him. I'm doing this from a place of gratitude and love mm-hmm. to point others toward who he is. Then I'm like, oh man, so I can do this because I enjoyment, because of enjoyment, not because I have to prove something. And yeah. it actually goes a whole lot better. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that I've found um, just to see when I'm approaching kind of a danger zone is when I start to um, not value things that aren't tangible or intangible. Uh, So for example, like I would say, one of the things I've tried to value is time with my wife, time with my kids to say, like, I know when I'm done with uh, life someday, 
I'm going to want to say not I worked really hard Mm -hmm. or I achieved a lot or I did something, but that those people especially would look back and say, you know, Kurt was present. He, he, he cared a lot. Mm. And sometimes for those things to happen, achievement needs to become secondary because you can't build, especially with kids, um, quality moments in the kind of cracks of your life. You can't say, Hey, I've got a half an hour right now. Let's have a good connection. Um, a good connection comes from sometimes extended downtime. And so when my kids were little, I would literally put on my calendar home tonight, you, you know, and, yeah. and, and block it out. So I couldn't do anything else other than just say, I'm just around to be present with my kids. Mm. I've tried to do the same thing just uh, with marriage. And, but what happens when I find myself getting into a danger zone is I don't leave time either for self-care or for intangible things that are priorities in my life. Yeah. Um, and that can even be just spiritual time development mm. because you know, one of the things that, that we do when we get too busy, I do, and I think most of us do, is we borrow from what's strong. And what I mean by that is, like my marriage right now, I'd say is generally, I would look at as being strong. And I think my wife would say the same thing. And so one of the places that I can borrow really easily is from the marriage. I can mm-hmm. say, hey, you know what? This week, I, I don't have any time. You know, I'm just going to do this. I'm going to do this. And what she would generally say is, okay. And, you know, we'd be fine next week and the week after, and the week after. Mm. And, you know, the kids, when you're growing up, uh, when kids are growing up, you generally can borrow from that if you've put some time in. But, but the more you borrow, sooner or later, that becomes an issue. And so to me, it's that, it's that moment when you're starting to say, okay, I've prioritized everything tangible over the intangible. And now, um, you know, I don't have space for you know, again, self-care, spiritual development, um, and key relationships in my life because mm. I'm, I'm so driven to get so much done. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I, I think this is, you know, when we talk about idolatry, you know, ter- taking a good thing and turning it into an ultimate thing, um, like all things, I think that we just need to be able to see that there's an ultimate fulfillment of whatever it is that we're seeking. And it's, it's in Christ that we see that, the most important thing that we can achieve in this life is bringing about the glory of God. And that's the thing that's going to last forever. That's the thing that we are created for. And so, you know, for us achievers and for all people that want to achieve something, seeing the fact that you can work towards the glory of God, and that's going to be something that is enduring and has meaning and isn't going to rob you of anything in this life. uh, That's worth, that's something that's worth pursuing and to find our achiever identity in that and not in, you know, mm. these yeah. cardboard castles. Is. Yeah. Joel, I brought a quote with me that lines up perfectly with what you just said. I think every preacher has a list of favorite quotes that you keep in your back pocket. Yeah. And one of mine is from John Stott. He wrote, ambitions for God, if they are to be worthy, can never be modest. There is something inherently inappropriate about cherishing small ambitions for God. How can we ever be content that he should acquire just a little more honor in the world? So he says, Christians should be eager to develop their gifts, widen their opportunities, extend their influence, and be given promotion in their work. Not now to boost their own ego or build their own empire, but rather through everything they do to bring glory to God. Mm. And I think what you said that really sticks out to me, kind of tying this quote together, is Christian uh, understanding of mission in the sense that all that we do 
in our lives is meant to point others towards who God is and what he's done for his glory rather than to make a name for ourselves, I think keeps us balanced in our desire to, to achieve Yeah, because we're not doing so to gain something, but in response to what we've already gained through Christ. Yeah, And so that's the perspective that I have to remind myself of, you know, every four hours or so. <laughs> that's right. I remember when I was uh, starting out in ministry, an older pastor said to me, he said, he said, there's a particular danger in ministry. And he said, it's that when somebody who works, you know, for a company works too many hours, everyone will say, well, they're selling their soul for the company store or mm. just to make more money. He said, but in ministry, he said, how do you ever say that? Because you're doing things that have eternal significance all day, every day. And so he, he said, you know, there's a, there's a particular danger uh, when you work there that, that you conflate uh, all of your achievement to kingdom. But I appreciate Stott's idea too, to say that, that, you know, at the same time, you don't want any small ambition in terms of your, your, your thought in terms of what you're doing. But yeah. So what other solutions? Somebody's listening to this right now and saying, okay, you've diagnosed the problem. And yes, sometimes I try to achieve too much. Uh, I kind of heard you say, source your um, identity in Christ mm. rather than in whatever you're trying to achieve. Do you have any other practical solutions or helps for people that would help them say, okay, now that I know this is an issue, how do I address this? I would say as much as it's possible, engage your family in whatever it is you're trying to achieve. So it's not just your thing, it's our thing that we're doing together. Um, because then in doing that, you're not you're not leaving behind something important. You are, uh, well, you know, if you're an achiever, you probably are thinking about the future and wealth. And um, that's another way that you can help that, uh, help undo that uh, nature of wealth disappearing after the third generation um, by passing on values as well. Um, so I'd say bring them along. Okay. I think that for me, something that's really helpful in this is just recognizing that the gospel is applicable to all of life. I think earlier in my faith at different points as a young adult, I thought, oh, you know, the gospel is that it's God's grace that saves us. And so we get to go to heaven and we have a right relationship with God. But something that was really foundational in my spiritual development was having people in my life who could help me to see that the gospel also changes something about my identity and the sense of my understanding of who I am and why my life is valuable and why it matters. And so I think there's a freedom in the gospel for us to know that we aren't defined by our own performance or achievements, mm -hmm. but we are made children of God and given the acclaim of being God's own sons, not by anything that we've done to deserve it, by only, only because of God's grace and loving us so much that he gave his son for us. And so that totally changes my paradigm on why my life is significant. Mm -hmm. um, it's not about me, but it's about what God has done and what he's doing in my life because of his love for me. and. Uh, to know that the best things about us aren't things that we ever did anything mm -hmm. to merit, but were given to us only yeah. because of God's love has just a way of like reframing my perspective entirely. Mm. And so it's just, for me, it's just about returning to the gospel, you know, on a daily basis, on a weekly basis in worship to remember what, what's most important about life. Mm-hmm. I would add, uh, this is just really pragmatic, I think, just to take breaks and, um, and to know that it's, it's actually in those, those breaks, you know, vacations, time off, uh, when you can actually like unplug and not, you know, sit at your vacation house sending emails or something like that. 
um, it's in that unplugging that you do better work in the end anyway. Um, and, and not just better work, but it's better for your soul. Uh, you're able to get yourself out of, uh, you know, the maybe box that you're, that you're in. You can think, think better, um, have a better perspective. Um, yeah. Isn't that scary though? Yeah. Um, I remember there's a quote by Martin Luther where he talked about how he prays. He prayed three hours every morning and someone asked him, why do you pray so much? He said, I'm too busy not to. Mm. And when you think about it that way, it's like he knew how much he had before him each day that he would have to spend three hours in the morning in prayer to be able to like hold up under it. And for me, I can catch myself sometimes thinking on my day off, like, I, you know, I'm preaching next weekend. I got to do, you know, a few hours of prep. Yeah. And uh, it's like, I've learned that if I want to have a good message, I actually need to take that day off because I need to recharge my battery, my batteries, like spiritually and emotionally. If I'm going to be able to be in a place where the work I'll do later in the week actually counts. Yeah. And uh, it takes faith that God will provide. And sometimes it's easier to have faith in our human ability to just produce. But uh, great point, man. And another, you know, embedded uh, piece of advice that you just gave was read Christian biographies, especially of people who uh, Christians who have achieved much in this life. And you get those little tidbits. It's really good. Yeah. And I would just add. I think naming a propensity for an idol is take some of its power away. Mm-hmm. So being able just to say, I sometimes make achievement mean too much. Um, just even in saying that you, you take some of its power away and then, and you guys have both hit on this, but I think rigorous evaluation of, of what you're doing, how it matches up to the priority. I mean, we've all, you know, heard the analogy of the person who, you know, climbed a big ladder up a wall only to find out it was the wrong wall. Um, it, you know, it, the whole idea of climbing a ladder and then saying, how did I get here? Well, mm. I didn't take time to realize I was on the wrong wall. And, and therefore, just to keep coming back and saying, is this really what I want to spend my time on? And if so, great, do it with all the vigor you have. But if not, then make sure that you're making some adjustments along the way. And those things will change. They'll change in, in different seasons of life um, significantly based on, on everything else that's happening to say, yeah, this is where, where my time is. So, mm. so super. Well, guys, thank you for uh, spending part of your day here. Thank you for taking time to listen uh, to Perspectives today. And we hope that you have a great week. Mm-hmm.